Welcome back. I never really set out to write a book. I know a lot of times um, people ask me, how did you write the book? Uh, what motivated you to do that? You know, how did you go about doing that? Did you make an outline initially? Um, I never did. And essentially what happened with me was that I began to study, take notes. Um, I turned those notes into a chapter. And, and through the course of that chapter, I would think about some different areas that uh, I'd like to go study. You know, for example, worry. And I'd go find some sermons or books on worry. And then I would turn that into some notes. And then that would go into another chapter. And we just kept going from there. But we never set out to write a book. That really wasn't our goal. But once we made the decision to do it, we really felt like we had something that we needed to share with others, encourage others. Um, you know, I don't really like to write. That's not really um, who I am. In fact, uh, I remember all the way back in high school when I was testing in the different subjects. I always tested in the top 5% in math, which is what I majored in, and the bottom 5% in English. In fact, I was so poor in English, I don't know that I ever made more than a D on a term paper. I didn't like to read. Um, I didn't really like to um, really write anything. In fact, I was so bad in, in college, in English, they made me go back and re uh, repeat freshman English just to graduate. In fact, we have a lot of conflicts also around the Wilson household about summer reading because my kids know this about me. And they know that I wasn't a big fan of some summer reading and I did not particularly like reading things like Lord of the Flies. I did read some cliff notes here or there. Sometimes I didn't even do that. So it, writing was never a very natural thing for me. I never really set out to write the book. Uh, but I certainly felt like as I learned and grew myself, I began to have something that I could share with others and something that would be encouraging to others, even though um, a lot of people haven't necessarily had the trials that we've had, but some people have had trials worse than we've had. But everybody has to learn how to deal with these things. Everybody has to understand what God's plan for them is in the midst of their storms. Now, when I set out to study, I had a series of questions. Why? You know, why this, why that? You know, why is a pretty powerful uh, word? But these questions are where I felt like that the answers lie for me. Um, as I began to study it, it turned out to be a little bit different uh, than that. But I started out with some initial questions. And I want to just share those questions with you um, because I believe they're questions that everybody has. They're questions that everybody at some point in their life, if not multiple times, have asked themselves. And the main thing I wanted to know is why do we suffer? And in particular, why do Christians suffer? You know, we're taught that God is a loving God. God cares about you. Um, so why are we allowed to suffer? You know, my hope over uh, this series is that I can answer that question for you. But do we suffer because of our sin? Do we suffer because of the sin of others, that we live in a broken world? Um, you know, the Bible talks about that we are set apart. What are we set apart for? It seems like if we were set apart, we would be set apart because God loves us and he wants to shield us from harm. Well, obviously, that's not necessarily the case. So how does all this fit? You know, what is God's plan for our suffering? Why are we allowed to suffer? Uh, if God created the heavens and the earth, then certainly couldn't he change our circumstances? 
Well, obviously, if he doesn't change our circumstances and we do have harm in our life, there has to be a reason for that. What is it? You know, I think this is probably the most important question that we ask with respect to God and our, our belief in God and, and the importance of God in our life. You know, salvation is very important, but in my mind, so many people don't even believe in God because of how they answer this question. If you ever talk to an atheist, someone that, that doesn't believe in God, and you ask them why, you know, why? Why do you not believe? Their answer quite often will relate to this question and will relate to how they answer this. And in their mind, a lot of times what they conclude is that God does not exist because if God did exist, the world would look very different. There would not be so much harm and suffering out there. And I kind of get where they're coming from with that because it doesn't really seem to fit with this idea of a loving God. So why do we suffer? Another question that I wanted to know is, is why does God say no? Why does God say no? You know, we're given this image, uh, the, the purpose of the Bible is to teach us about the nature and the character of God. And one of the images that's given to us uh, by Jesus, in fact, when he was talking to his disciples about how to pray, is, is referring to God as the Heavenly Father. And I believe that was very intentional because we certainly can identify with what a father does with the children, with children, protecting them, taking care of them, providing for them, and so forth. Um, so how can God say no to us if God is our Heavenly Father? Um, I certainly understand that we shouldn't, just like with a kid, we shouldn't get everything that we want in life. Uh, every time we ask for something, we shouldn't be given. It's not always the best thing for us. I, I do think we get that. But how can God say no in those situations when we're really going through some tough times, some really difficult times, when something is going to happen to us that really just doesn't really make any sense? When we go to God on our hands and knees and, and God says no, what is that all about? You know, I think this is a big reason why a lot of people might believe in God, but they don't believe in the church. Or they don't believe in the life. They don't believe there's really any kind of relevance to their own life. And because quite often, a lot of times, what's happened in their life is that they've had an event. They've had something happen. They went to God in prayer, and they said, you know, God, please change this, please change that, and God didn't. And so they kind of feel indifferent. You know, why are they for God if God was not for them? God was not there at their, at their darkest hour. And I think this is a big reason why a lot of people, they might go to church for Christmas or Easter, they might even drop some money in the offering plate, but the rest of the year, they don't really care. You know, saying no to kids is, um, is part of the job of a parent. You know, they don't, they don't always understand why we do it. I know my daughter likes to brag to her mom that, that she has me wrapped that I will do anything that she wants. That's not necessarily true. I do know how to say no to her, but for the most part, I always want to say yes when I can. I mean, I do say no in those situations that I feel like I need to, but more, more likely than not, I want to say yes to her. I want to make her happy. So how does God say no to us in those kind of situations? I wanted to know if prayer changes God's mind. 
you know, I've always, uh, we've always been taught to pray. We've been taught the importance of prayer. Prayer's always been a little bit confusing to me, this idea that you speak to an all-knowing God who knows what you're going to say before you say it. But what I really wanted to know is, does prayer change God's mind? Growing up in the church, my father was a minister, and in the Baptist church, we got together every Wednesday for prayer meeting. So it was chicken and prayer meeting. That was our thing. And we would always go through a, a list of people in the church that needed prayer, people in the hospital, people who've lost a loved one, uh, someone going through a difficult time, and we would pray for them. And I wondered if, if that prayer ever made any difference. Did some of those people on that list live that otherwise would have died because we prayed for them? Does prayer ever change God's mind, or is it just already made up? and we're just acting out uh, what God has already decreed. Where, where does prayer come in there? Uh, we'll, we'll talk an awful lot about my daughter and her accident, but my daughter was involved in a very tragic accident, and we had a group of people that got together every day at a certain time in the waiting room in the hospital and prayed for her. And she lived. She lived when she, would not, she was not supposed to live. But she lived when the doctors told us that she would not live. So I always wondered, is that because this group of people pray? If this group of people didn't get together and pray, would she not be alive today? Does prayer change God's mind? And also wanted to know um, why at times God seems so distant. You know, why, why do we go through these periods of time that God seems so far away and just seems nowhere to find? In fact, I'm reminded of David, the great David, uh, the king. You know, David, David writes in Scripture, you know, why do you hide your face? You know, it's crying out to God. You know, where are you, God? You know, I'm reminded of Hezekiah. Uh, scripture says in the Old Testament that, Hezekiah, that God left Hezekiah alone to test him to see what was in his heart. You know, why would God do that? I mean, God knows what Hezekiah is going to do before Hezekiah did it. So is it just because God wanted Hezekiah to know how he was going to react? Why does God test us? Why at times in our life does God seem so distant? Why is he so hard to find sometimes? And really the question that that I really wanted to ask is, is God in control? And this really became the theme of the book. And it wasn't really one of the questions initially, but through the course of studying and writing the book, I realized that all these other questions were somewhat of a sub-question of this larger one. You know, is God in control? Does God really know what's going on? Does God really care what's going on? Is God active in what happens in our life? Is God changing the circumstances in our life? Is God responding to our prayers in our life? Uh, is God in control? You know, is God in control of this world? Is it, is it controlled by sin? Is it, control, is it a broken world that's beyond his control? You know, these were the things that I really wanted to know and, and really, as I studied, attempted to learn these things ourselves, and then it was turned into a book uh, later that we could share with people at least the things that we felt like we learned. Um, these questions of why are pretty powerful questions. 
I know they're difficult questions for a lot of people. I know most of you listening probably have asked these types of questions in your own life before. Um, and I hope to answer them over the next week, next few weeks. So that will wrap up our time today, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week.